Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. Welcome along to the latest Keegan episode. Fucking, I always should check which number it is, but I keep forgetting before we do this. Let's see, it's nineteen, maybe something like that. That's a guess. Might be yeah. right. Might not be. Um, and Kevin is playing for Newcastle United. It's the final chapter in his playing career. <clears throat> and he's been signed by Arthur Cox, who's the notoriously stern-faced, uh, fucking granite-faced man. Who? Yeah. He was. He was at Sunderland. He was the assistant manager at Sunderland when we won the FA Cup in right? 1973. He was Bob Stoker's number two. Um, I don't think anyone's ever seen Arthur Cox smile ever. No, well, you know, but that's that's his strength, that's isn't all right. it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Kevin says about him: uh, he was solid, trustworthy, reliable, all the old-fashioned virtues, and I could see bits of Bill Shankly in him. Uh, Arthur was a taskmaster who would have us running up the steepest hills he could find, or throwing ourselves into the sea at Whitley Bay or Tynemouth in all kinds of wintry weather. <laughs> Pointing to the elderly ladies on the beach if anyone had the temerity to complain about the freezing temperature. I love all that sort of stuff. Jock Wallace used to do that as well at Leicester, didn't he? And at Rangers. He had them running up and down sand dunes and stuff like that. Yeah, he loved sand dunes, yeah. He had had one of the mountains kind of moved to Leicester and recreated when he went to manage there. He got got a fucking mountain assembled for them to... Clamber up. Yeah, there's a story about them sort of puking up and stuff yeah. like that, wasn't there? Yeah. Uh, God, times. he's been around. He's a real football man. He's from he's from Warwickshire, so he's like right. a Midlands. He's Midlandser. Right. Um, let's see. I've just on his wiki here because he's the sort of bloke who we've all seen on yeah. a million and one touchlines, and we make assumptions about him based on his face. He looks a bit like my old headmaster, Mister Mitchell. Yeah. Um, he was unable to become a professional football player as he broke his leg playing in a reserve game for Coventry City. Spent time coaching at Sunderland and in Turkey Ooh. before he became a manager. Chesterfield, then Newcastle. Uh, there you go. He, 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 he won promotion to the first division, introduced future international players such as Peter Beardsley and Chris Waddle. Well, there you go. Yeah. Not just a grumpy bastard. But a real footballing man, as they say. Yeah, I remember it. Someone once um, wrote in uh, Danny Baker and Danny Kelly's radio show, and he said that he'd this fellow had written in a letter to Arthur Cox when he was Newcastle manager, complaining about this and that, and you know, mm. slagging Cox off. And um, Cox's secretary got in touch with this fellow and said, Arthur says, would you like to come in and have a chat about the wow. the letter you sent? Uh, so he went into St James's Park into Arthur Cox's office. Arthur Cox got up and closed the office door and locked it behind him. Arthur Cox locked it into his office and then had it out with him for an hour about the contents of this letter that he'd sent in. Really? Yeah. 
<laughs> Fucking brilliant. <laughs> well, kind of brilliant, but you should sort of rise above it, I suppose. You should, but at the same time, you know, if you're going to put your money where your mouth is, you've got to be prepared to sit in a locked room with Arthur Cox for an hour and <laughs> yeah. back up your opinions. Yeah, I'd forgotten about him. God, this is becoming all about Arthur Cox now. He left Newcastle after they won promotion in 1984. He took over at Derby County. He'd just been relegated to third division. What, what the fuck was happening there? He just weird. got him promoted with Waddle and Beardsley and all the rest of it. And they thought, I'm going to actually drop down a couple of divisions now, if you don't mind. Um, this he took him to promotion two years later. In 1987, they won the second division title. And they got back into first division. In October 1988, he paid a cub record of one million for striker Dean Saunders, who quickly established himself as one of the best strikers in English league. And along with the likes of defender Mark Wright, and remember, he got Peter Shilton yeah, as well, didn't that's he? Right, yeah. They emerged as surprise title contenders in the 88-89 season. Though in the end, they finished fifth. I remember this, right? Mm. But then, listen to this. However, the chairman. Do you remember who the chairman was? Derby County. Fucking Robert Maxwell. Oh, of course, yeah, shit. Robert Maxwell was unwilling to grant <clears throat> Cox further funds to buy top players, and this sabotaged their chances of further challenging for honours. Fucking hell. And Robert then... Maxwell, Arthur Cox, Peter Shilton, Mark Wright, Dean Saunders. Why has no one made this fucking story into a movie? And then, a couple of years later, Arthur Co- well, Robert Maxwell fell overboard on a yacht while yeah. the manager of his club was Arthur Cox, a man who we know was content to lock a fan in his office and uh, have it out with him. So well, look, I'm not seeing. There's, a, there's a lot of there's a lot of ambiguity and a lot of rumour and gossip that surrounds that uh, the disappearance of Robert Maxwell, <laughs> yeah. and perhaps we have uh, we finally well. stumbled across the truth. It was old Coxie. And we, you know, maybe we should look closer into the death of Jill Dando as well. I don't know. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> All we're saying is, don't cross Arthur Cox. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the one thing we've learned from this. He said, Kevin says, um, Arthur claimed the salt water in the in the sea at Tynemouth had therapeutic qualities, but he had a good sense of humour behind that dour Sergeant Major image. Um, I respected his honesty in the way in particular in our first ever meeting. He admitted that the team were pretty ordinary. <laughs> um, it quickly became obvious that there was not enough for promotion in my first season and they end up finishing fifth um, but then for the second season Kevin was, Kevin was there for two seasons he brought in Terry McDermott from Liverpool who played with Kev before Dave McCreary formerly of Manchester United and Jeff Clark of Sunderland I finished the season with 21 goals from 37 appearances as well as the North East Player of the Year award I was cock of the walk once again a fairy story had come my way. <laughs> there was one word on everyone's lips that year. It were Kevin Keegan. That's two words, but people would say it real quick. Um, there was plenty of laughter at Newcastle in those days. Arthur was used to have us running up these great big hills in Gated. Um, players would complain it was like being in the army. Arthur would have none of it. Get up there! He'd shout. <laughs> one time, one time we were due to go on a run. Terry McDermott and I went to a fancy dress shop in Newcastle. Oh God, here we go. Oh God, here we go. And uh, and came back dressed as commandos, complete with camouflage and face paint. <laughs> Arthur loved it, but we still had to tackle those hills, carry all our war equipment. <laughs> Quite pointless. And ultimately not that funny yeah. sort of gag that, isn't it? Cocks are gone. Hey, come on, Terry. I mean, like they've gone to great lengths to deliver a, a pretty 
unfunny jape. Yeah. They've gone all the way to Newcastle City Centre. I wonder if they went in disguise to get to the disguise shop because they were both yeah, massive stars it... in Newcastle at the time, so they might have yeah. went in a, a, a pre-disguised disguise. I mean, possibly. I wouldn't, if anyone's going to double disguise, it's Keegan. So they'll have gone back there all dressed up. Arthur Cox has just gone, huh, and then yeah, put him to one. the hill and no. gone, get up you there! Still got, you still got to get up the fucking hill, you couple of pricks. <laughs> all right. We were only out trying to have a bit of fun, Arthur. They wear your fucking backpacks as well. <laughs> fucking arseholes. This is it! Uh, another time a story appeared in the newspapers about a Middle Eastern club wanting to sign me. The speculation was huge. And Terry still had all the Arab regalia, headdress, etc. from a trip Liverpool had made to that part of the world. So McDermott was very much a partner in crime in the disguise thing with Keegan. <laughs> First, though... Terry rang the chairman and put on an accent to pretend he was a billionaire sheik, announcing he was due to arrive in Newcastle that afternoon to make the club an offer that cannot be refused. <laughs> that was my attempt at a scout sheik. Hello, <laughs> it's me, Sheik Al Sheik. <laughs> Sheik Al Salt and Pepper. I am coming from Arab land this afternoon. It's me. I'm be with my brother, shake him back. <laughs> uh, we're going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Because <laughs> we got all that oil money, you know. <laughs> we're coming over on our magic carpets. So watch out. Oh, we got our curly slippers on and our curly swords and all that gets up. Don't worry about that, son. Snake in a basket. Oh, that's telling you with a real deal. <laughs> we got a couple of belly dancers with us and all. <laughs> you know, just to provide the entertainment. Just, One of them big fucking pipes, bubbly bubblies, you know. We're just, oh, yeah. We're just coming over on spec because, you know, that's how we do things in the Arab world. We want to buy a footballer. We just jump on the carpet and fucking go there. <laughs> oh, let me get there. Make sure you got plenty of, uh, you know, olives and taramasalata and all that stuff. Right? <laughs> Anchovies. <laughs> that's that what stuff. we like to eat, see? <laughs> <laughs> that's a photo for the curry for us. <laughs> <laughs> did they eh, did they fall for it, Terry? Oh Klein and Sinker lad. Oh Klein and fucking Sinker. Well, you can, can you blame him? Did you hear me? Fuck <laughs> me, I almost fooled myself. You can stop doing the Arab voice now, Terry. I'm not doing it anymore. What are you talking about? <laughs> he says, uh Stan, uh, Stan Seymour, the Newcastle chairman, told this Arab that he wouldn't sell me for all the money in the world. But Terry, his Royal Highness Prince Al Terry back, as he introduced himself. <laughs> Racist. This is, uh, yeah, this is his Royal Highness Prince Al Terry back from Arab <laughs> land. Yeah, it's dead hot here. <laughs> Are you going to be here this what? afternoon? Because we're coming over. <laughs> what time do you knock off? <laughs> What's the weather like over there? Because it's fucking boiling here. I can't wait to get to... Oh, sometimes it's too hot. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I like it hot, but this is too hot. What's it like over there? 
thing is, I've got a couple of servants who fan me most of the time. I don't know, should I bring them over as well or what? <laughs> I'm coming to buy Kevin Keegan. No, there's no two ways about it. So offer you can't refuse waiting in here. <laughs> you better get him ready. Tell him to pack his locker up because he's coming back with us. <laughs> yeah. I tell him it's a dead good deal, right? It's Jean will fucking love the weather because she'll get a cracking tan, right? <laughs> and we're going to get him a big fucking tent and his own fleet of camels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hell. So, Terry, Terry introduces himself on the phone as his Royal Highness Prince Al Terry Mac and uh, told Stan <laughs> Seymour, <laughs> told Stan Seymour, it would be disrespectful to his country if we were not allowed the courtesy of a meeting. Yeah, the thing is, though, you know, we come all this way on the fucking magic carpet, you know, they don't run on hot air. So if we turn up and you refuse to meet us, that's going to be very disrespectful. a lot of magic we've used there. And you know what us look like over here? We're fucking mad. We'll cut all your the fucking day, throat. All the day, all the day, one of my servants, right, looked at my belly dancer. It'd be funny, I chopped his fucking hands off. <laughs> That's normal here. In the town square, you know. Everyone comes and watches, like. <laughs> you know, We're stoning like... people to death, left, right, and centre for fuck all. <laughs> You're not dealing with some kind of dickhead here. We're the fucking real deal. <laughs> We're fucking mad. I'll tell you what as well while we're over there we're going to pick up some fanny powder from the docks so should we go to like that first and then come to you or you know what's the time scale here we gotta no because we've got to take some back because uh, it's hard to come by funnily enough you won't believe it but it's because of the dry dry air dry climate it's hard to keep it fresh over there <laughs> so I uh, told him it would be disrespectful to his country if he was not allowed the courtesy of a meeting. We borrowed a friend's Mercedes for Terry, all robed up, to drive into St James's with Stan Seymour, Arthur Cox and all the directors peering out of the boardroom window, wondering what to make of their guest. Arthur oh, Cox, fucking hell, they're here. Arthur Cox are gone. They're here. Arthur, oh, Arthur fucking Cox hell, are... he's in a murk. Arthur Cox are gone. It's fucking McDermott. Cunt. <laughs> you silly bastards. <laughs> go, Just go along with it. <laughs> uh, Kev went in first and told everyone they had to take off their shoes in the presence of royalty from the Gulf States. <laughs> take your shoes off, right? Because if, if not, it's disrespectful to me, gods. <laughs> then Terry knocked on the door, and I swear all the directors with their shoes lined up jumped to their feet and bowed instinctively. <laughs> I can still hear Stan's yelp of outrage when he realised it was Terry's moustache behind the <laughs> Shemak. Is it Shemak? Mm-hmm. I think so. Don't know. So there we are. Good times for everyone there. <laughs> Fucking just such a waste of time. Isn't it? I mean, you know, I like a bit of fun as much as the next bastard. You love but April all this Fool's like, Day, don't you? That's, it's your uh, yeah, I do April Fool's Day the lot, but I mean... This just seems like a lot of effort for not much. No I suppose that one. It's, be- it's better than the dressing up as Marines one. Yeah. Because I suppose fooling a whole board, that would be quite funny. Fucking get a load of that, Kev. We fooled an entire board there this afternoon. Businessman. I almost fucking fooled myself. I know. I was looking forward to a ride on the magic carpet. You were that convincing. <laughs> They're not just apprentice footballers, them fellas, you know. They're men of achievement, and we fucking fooled them, me and you. 
<laughs> Fucking stitch the right up. <laughs> um, you can see why they stuck together, can't you? All those years when when he went into management. Oh, yeah, he always liked Terry Mack by his side, didn't he? Yeah, good times fucking non-stop. Mm, good times, Terry. So, <laughs> daft laugh, Terry. <laughs> so, um, he talks about the team that he was in that first season um, and had a young Chris Waddle coming through. Well, we could all see he was immensely talented, but he was still learning the game. He didn't have the posture of your typical star footballer. He was all drooping shoulders and bowed head, and he could be painfully shy. He had been working in a sausage seasoning factory, and Arthur threatened to send him back a couple of times. I'll send you back to the fucking sausage seasoning. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind football season. Get back to the fucking sausage seasoning. The only season you'll be involved in is the seasoning that you're putting in your sausage mix. The sausage factory. A bit of a mouthful, Arthur. Couldn't you have thought of something more succinct to shout? Jalapeño. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Jalapeño. So, Kev's... Uh, strike partner that first season about Imre Verardi who was then sh- was then sold to Sheffield Wednesday he says I didn't have a clue who we were lining up as his replacement until one night lying in bed the phone rang it was Arthur Cox on the line and his first words were we've got one <laughs> <laughs> okay hell what you got who is it what? Arthur is that you is it is this the shake from Arab land <laughs> who have you kidnapped what have you done <laughs> have you got Terry Mack is he safe <laughs> it was at that point I realised that I wasn't sure whether the, the shake was real or not I didn't know what was real anymore <laughs> um, he says Arthur liked to keep me informed about transfer business yet I had taken one of these late night calls before on that occasion he got me up at 1am not even bothering to say hello to announce down the line we've got him We've got him. <laughs> 1 a.m. <laughs> Other cooks on the whiskey. <laughs> um, Kevin says, I thought we must be signing some world-class player, but it turned out we persuaded a boy of 14 to join our youth system. And he's calling him up at it's home for that. one in the morning, yeah. Fucking hell. Martin. <laughs> Martin, he's a 14-year-old lad. What do you want me to say? I don't know if this is legal, Arthur. <laughs> He says, we've got him, we've got him. A young lad called Nesbitt. Best player in the area. Sunderland wanted him, but we've got him. See you tomorrow. <laughs> TTFN. Uh, okay, then. <laughs> All right, bye, then. Kev Ooh, says, the, the, the phone went dead, and I was left listening to the dialing tone wide awake. 
<laughs> well, why didn't he put the phone oh, down? Oh, God, was that a dream? Je- was that real? Gene's like, who was it, Arkev? <laughs> oh, sorry, Gene. It were Arthur Cox, the manager of Newcastle United. Is, what did he want? Is, is Terry Mack all right? He, he's just ringing up in the middle of the night about a teenage boy. Nothing to worry about. Go back to sleep. <laughs> I wasn't going to get carried away, he says. Therefore, when he rang the next time, we've got him. We've got him. Beardsley's his name, he said. Oh. Beardsley? I asked, completely nonplussed. Who's that then? You'll like him, Arthur said. I've got him from Vancouver Whitecaps. Oh, for fuck's sake, Arthur. <laughs> for fuck's sake, Arthur, this has got to stop. TTFN. <laughs> it flashed through my mind I could put in a transfer request at this point, but I gave him the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. And the phone went dead again. He says the newspapers had been talking about signing Kenny Dalglish, who was now in his early thirties at Liverpool. I mean, you can't have you can't have Dalglish and Keegan playing in the same team, can you? That's like no, crossing no, the streams. It's like cross, Ghostbusters. crossing the streams. It's out there. Yeah. He uh, says I trusted Arthur to know his stuff, but I'd never heard of this lad Beardsley. None of my teammates had either, and we were dubious to say the least when we found out some more about our new signing. Uh, Newcastle had released him as a teenager. He'd gone to Carlisle United. Manchester United had taken a chance on him, but decided he wasn't up to it. It wasn't a glittering CV, and when he wandered in a couple of days later with that pudding ball <laughs> barnet, he looked like a bloke off the street who had won a competition to train with us for the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at what him! What is it? What have we got? Oh, oh, oh. Looks like a slug I probably jumped out of my skin. <laughs> is he a zombie? What is he? <laughs> ah! Terry Matt was crying. He was that scared, I had to give him a cuddle. Tell him he could go home early from training. <laughs> I let him play with the dressing up box for a bit instead. <laughs> um, none of us thought this innocuous looking kid from a Mickey Mouse league thousands of miles away was going to be the answer. He doesn't even look like a footballer. Look at the size of him. There's nothing on him. Vancouver, white caps. And he says it took five minutes of his first training session to realise Arthur had indeed got one. He could do everything. He came, he showed, he turned, he shimmied, he played passes nobody else could have seen. I mean, Peter Beardsley, fucking hell. Peter Beardsley was an outstanding player, wasn't he? Oh, he's fucking great, yeah. God. And, and in fact, that description of him there, sort of straight away, you can visualise the way in which he played. Yeah. It's a good description. Because he was always like, he got the ball and just did simple things incredibly well, didn't he? Yeah. Saw stuff other people couldn't see. I mean, people yeah. talk about that, that Gary Lineker scoring all the goals in, in the 86 World Cup, but if Beardsley hadn't been there, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, it was when it was the, Bobby Robson started with Mark Hately up front with yeah. uh, Lineker, and then he fucked that off and made the bold decision to bring in Beardsley, and that's when our fortunes changed. Yeah, it should never be forgotten that Bobby Robson regularly got things wrong at major tournaments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Including 1990, but you know, um, national treasure. National treasure, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Peter's arrival was a significant reason we got our act together to win promotion in eighty three, eighty four. I loved his approach to football. He'd be there at seven in the morning sometimes to help the groundsman get everything ready. <laughs> what the fuck? I like to get in early. I, I feel unusual about this. I can't talk about Peter Beasley without thinking about Peter Beasley for Athletic or Mids. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I don't even That's want to try and do the voice or anything. Then I was about to try and do his voice and I thought, well, it's kind of owned now elsewhere, <laughs> yeah. so... We'll let you just imagine what Peter Beasley was like when he turned up at seven to help the groundsman yeah. get the pitches ready. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the season when they won promotion in 83-84, but 
Double K says, I'd already made up my mind I would not be going with them. My decision had been made at the start of the year on 6th of January when we played Liverpool in the third round of the FA Cup at Anfield. And um, I'd, for- I'd never forgotten what it was like to go to Anfield with Hamburg in the European Super Cup and take a 6-0 hammering. And on this day with Newcastle, we lost 4-0. They were better than us in every department from A to Z. Um, it wasn't the score that shocked me. It was the moment one of my teammates knocked the ball behind Liverpool's defence to send me clear, bearing down on the goal at the Anfield Road with only Bruce Grobelar to beat and 12,000 Geordies packed in the stand. Uh, I was already thinking about Grobelar, sizing him up, working my angles. Was he going to come out to me? Would he go down early and give me the chance to lift the ball over him? Should I try and take the ball around him? Would there be a gap if I took the shot early and kept it low? There's only a second or two to get it right. I was coming up for 33 now, older, wiser, I knew exactly what to do. Stay calm, pick your spot. In my head, the net was already bulging. Suddenly, there was a flash of red at my shoulder, and in an instant, Mark Lawrenson had appeared beside me. Everything happened so quickly, and in a split second, the Liverpool defender had taken the ball off my foot. It was all a blur. One moment I was racing through, the next the ball was gone, and with it, the chance. And that was my epiphany. So, Loro... Yeah. It was Mark Lawrenson yeah. who basically put pay to Kevin he Keegan's career. Off, nicked the ball yeah. from his foot, and uh, that Fucking was when he knew. This is Kevin Keegan who... What a way for such an incredible career to end well, this at is the Kevin hands Keegan of Loro. Ju- just over a year previously to this, had the major hump because Bobby Robson wouldn't pick him for England anymore. Yeah, yeah. And, and then- now he admitted that within a year he was <laughs> incapable of playing at top level anymore. Yeah. Um, Fuck's sake. He says, the truth hit me like a mallet. I'd lost my place in the England team. I was a second division player and I was on the slippery slope no matter how many times the people in Newcastle hailed me as their king. The scales fell from my eyes. Everything <laughs> I thought was true was not. Oh, I can fuck Nora. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finished, Gene. I'm finished. Call up the helicopter rental folk. Yeah. It's time for me to fly away to my next fairy tale adventure. <laughs> To Spain, Gene! <laughs> it wasn't the 4 0 defeat, it was the knowledge I'd been a yard too slow. I felt I'd fallen short of my own high standards. My mind was it was made up. It was my last season as a professional footballer. Um Well I mean he could have carried on, he could have dropped down to the third division, maybe. Yeah. Played on and been been the big hero there. Took his helicopter to I don't know, it was Division Three, Oxford or somewhere like that. But yeah. no. No, he wasn't gonna do that. Uh, he said it was an easy decision. When I told Arthur Cox straight after the game, he knew me well enough not to try to talk me out of it. Maybe Arthur Cox just thought, oh, thank fuck for that. Thank fuck for that. <laughs> he's, he's packing it in. I won't have to sack him. Oh, God. That was a, that was one fucking bastard conversation that I was going to have to have fucking struck off the, the list. There. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> fucking, I've he's, had it up to wear of his fucking mindless prank and his dressing up. Dressing Jesus up like Christ McDermott <laughs> titting about he says um, it must have been a shock for Arthur but he told me there was nothing he could say that would change my mind no mm-hmm. I've, well I've got nothing to say to that Kev no uh, yeah, uh, look, Kev out of respect for no, you I am not going to make any effort whatsoever to dissuade you I, because I, you're I, a bigger man than that I think it's, it's it's absolutely the wrong decision but you've clearly made your decision and I'm not going to stand <laughs> yeah. in your way um, do you want me to get an helicopter for you or you know you can sort that out yourself Eugene <laughs> <laughs> um he was spot on, he says. When I made the decision, whether others thought it right or wrong, I generally stuck by it. Um, 
Oh, God. I announced my impending retirement on Valentine's Day, my 33rd birthday. Ever the lover of the grand gesture. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm 33, it's Valentine's Day, love is in the air. Hey, everyone, <laughs> I'm going to pack in being a footballer. Oh, what's that you can hear in the distance? It's a chopper, just like Magnum's. <laughs> enjoy your romantic I'm going to quit and out. become a private investigator. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your romantic night out, everyone. I've just pissed all over your chips. <laughs> I brought a bunch of. I bought a single red rose for every every Geordie lass, every wife of every man in the stadium that night. <laughs> well, this was this was Valentine's Day, so uh, this was a good three months before the actual end of the season. So you know he's he's not just doing it on the spur of the moment and going out no. straight away. He's doing that. Like, not retreat from the yeah, game. Yeah, usually he likes something to happen suddenly, yeah. as we all remember from his England days, which we'll get to in about six months' time. Probably. But this is, you mm. know, this this is the final chapter as a, as a player, so he's dragging mm. it out. He'll want that uh, standing ovation at all the away grounds he goes to in those last three yeah. months before he packs in. Yeah. Um, then, of course, the helicopter at the end. You can't get a helicopter just overnight. You've got to have three months' notice. Not in those days. Helicopter on uh, on Tyneside. Hello, is that Toonami helicopter rentals? How long have I got to give you notice <laughs> for to get one? Three months. Right. Okay. Get me one in the middle of May. Arthur, I'm packing well, in. We'll have to get. Well, we'll have to get it shipped over first from America or Hawaii. <laughs> if you want to, I want one like Magnum's got. <laughs> oh well, three months. Three months minimum. Have you got one like Airwolf? You know, with all the guns and rockets. No, we can't get hold of those. Unfortunately, they're <laughs> oh. military use only. <laughs> if you, because what I was thinking was, I want one like Airwolf, but then what I want is I want a motorbike like Street Hawk that goes three hundred miles an hour, so I could go round and round the perimeter of the pitch at St James's waving to everyone at three hundred miles an hour, and then up a ramp on the Airwolf and off I go. What's the chances Through of that happening? Through a hoop happening? of fire, I somersault, somersault off of Street Hawk into Airwolf, and then off we go. What's to the, where? Who knows? What's the chances of that happening? Zero. Right, okay, sorry. TTFN. Just, just understand the chopper in that case. If Newcastle were going up, I didn't want to be going back to the first division as a one-time superstar who'd been at the top and was now on his way down. I didn't want to go to all those famous grounds with people saying, you know what, he can't do it at this level anymore, even though 18 months ago he wanted to be in the England team. I didn't want to take the easy option by moving back into midfield and spinning out my career for another three years, possibly longer. I wanted to go out as a top player, albeit one in the second division. He says, uh, and then whoosh, he says, put whoosh, (laughs) put whoosh, double K. (laughs) I was off, still in my muddy kit, peering down at all those people. I thought I read that as peeing down from the previous episode where he pissed all over them as he went. Fuck off, dickheads. (laughs) Have some of that. Fancy a drink? Look, th- look a bit thirsty, do you? <laughs> oh, open fucking wide, you Geordie pricks. <laughs> Kevin, sit down. It's dangerous. Oh, no, come on, Gene. I'm just having a bit of fun. I've been wanting to do this for 20 years. <laughs> um, hey, hey, driver, driver. <laughs> take a detour past Fred Litherland's house in Doncaster. <laughs> See if he still lives in the same place. <laughs> I'll shit down his fucking chimney. <laughs> I sat down a chimney in in, Le- 
in Doncaster, where I, th- I believed I'd been informed that Fred Leatherland still lived. <laughs> Unfortunately, it turned out he had long since moved to Cornwall. <laughs> in a way, and it was just a young family who received one of my turds in their fireplace unexpectedly that day. The Kevin Keegan story <laughs> had come full circle. <laughs> he says, I, I peering down at all those people with their necks craned and their arms raised until the ground was a tiny speck in the distance. Up, up, keep going up, up, higher, higher. <laughs> Mr. Keegan, I'm not allowed to go higher than 5,000 feet. It's a, up! It's as, high, it's as high as I can go. Maybe in other people's worlds, not in double K's. If I'd stopped at the limits, people had told me I had to stop at, then I'd never be the man I am today. Keep going. I want to go as high as the sun. <laughs> <laughs> You're a madman. We can't go up to the sun. Do it. You can. You just have to believe in yourself. <laughs> he says, after 831 club appearances in England and Germany, 285 goals, four league titles, one FA Cup, four European finals, and now promotion with my beloved Newcastle, it was all over for Kevin Keegan, the footballer. It was one of my many cathartic experiences I've had at St James's. And apt, perhaps, that I left that way when I always wanted Newcastle to reach for the skies. What I never realised was that I would be back one day to take the club even higher, all the way to the sun. (laughs) And like Icarus, we would burn and melt (laughs) and crash back down to earth in humiliation. Like Icarus, we would chuck away a 12-point lead in February. And it was all thanks to Fastino Aspria, (laughs) the man who introduced Fanny Powder to the UK. But that's another story for another chapter. TTFN... (laughs) The editor of the book's like, you don't need to write TTFN at the end of every chapter, Kevin. <laughs> I think it's a nice way to sign off. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there because he's about to retire to Marbella for a few years. Yeah, and, uh, we get the Spanish chapters, which, uh, of course, for you, Andy, will be particularly appealing because your plan is to retire of course. to uh, Spain, just like Double K did. I see myself as the Kevin Keegan of podcasting. Um, yeah, uh, obviously the Marbella thing's a big part of the story. It's part of the blueprint. You're going to get tired and emotional yeah. just after you've won like a load of podcasting awards, yeah. or just narrowly missed out on them. Yeah. Stomp off and disappear to in Spain. Helicopter. Yeah. yeah. So we might we might run into Senor Dissendat in the next episode. We might not. Who knows? Yeah. So yeah, join us again next week for part 33 of the Keegan Odyssey. Thanks yeah. for listening. Ta-da. Bye. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.